Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851, or arborgate.com. Garden Success is also brought to you by the Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209. Welcome to Garden Success with Skip Richter the show designed to help you have a bountiful garden and a beautiful landscape. Call in now with your lawn and garden questions at 979-845-5689 or email your questions to gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And now, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist, Skip Richter. Hello and welcome to the show. We are looking forward today to talking gardening with you. My goodness, this is gardening weather and it's gardening time. We are in the big traffic jam when our cool season gardens are still going strong and our warm season gardens are going in the ground. So something's got to give somewhere. Uh, I'm going to be giving a talk uh, here in a, a few more weeks about uh, some gardening tips and one of the things that we're going to talk about is that traffic jam in the spring. Uh, by the way, I should give you our phone number so you can call. Uh, our number is 845-5689, 845-5689. Or if you'd like to email me, it's garden success, one word, garden success at tamu.edu. And uh, if you have a photo you want to attach, a plant identified, or a, a diagnosis, or anything like that, uh, the nice thing about the email is you can't attach those. But we love to talk to you too. Uh, and I guarantee you, if you have a question, somebody else probably has that same same question. So talking about the the uh, traffic jam in the spring garden, and it's true of vegetables. Uh, in a way, it's kind of true of flowers too. Uh, you know, the the pansies and violas are looking pretty good out there still. And so, when do you pull them out to plant some of your warm season flowers? Well. It's uh, it's kind of a day-by-day -day decision based on how things are looking. If they're starting to dwindle, they're not really that impressive, probably time to pull them out and go ahead and put something else in. Or maybe you just really like some of the warm season things that you're anxious to get to. Maybe you want to grow a zinnia cut flower garden this year. And so that would be another reason to maybe pull plants out that are still looking pretty good, but hey, they, they're in the way of some other things you want to do. So with the vegetable garden, uh, one of the techniques we have is, is uh, trying to interplant. And, and so think about it this way. If you wait until broccoli and kale, well, kale will go way into the summer, although it gets a little strong. But if you wait until those cool season crops completely finish, uh, you're getting a little bit of a late start on a lot of our warm season crops. And so what we often will do, we, I, I like to do two different things. One is do some interplanting. So that would be starting some things in between the cool season crops. You got to make sure they get sunlight. Uh, the, the new plants get sunlight. So you may have to snap off a few uh, broccoli leaves or something along those lines if, if that's what you're interplanting uh, to get that new plant at least in the ground and growing. Uh, and that way, when you do pull the other plants out, 
you can um, you know you're you're ready to go uh, the plant's already established and it's well on its way probably already blooming and maybe even setting fruit the other thing is when you pull it out uh, you, you don't have to rip it out of the ground and pull all the roots up with it uh, that's fine to do that and that's what most people do it's simple fast and easy but you can also cut it off right around the base uh, I usually don't cut right at above the base because some of those plants have sprouts and they'll come back uh, but if you if you cut them uh, just kind of let's say below the base barely under the soil line cut the roots loose and get those plants out you can leave the old roots in the ground you know that's what nature does I mean think about it does nature ever pull a plant out of the ground on purpose to be able to plant another plant in its place they 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 just leave the old roots there they when a plant dies they decay away they add organic matter to the soil those roots are pathways through the soil that as the root shrivels up and and rots away now you have a place where air can move through where um, and certainly earthworms will tunnel through there feeding on that organic matter uh, where moisture can move down into the soil it's it's uh, opening down into some of our clay soils to to allow moisture to move down a little deeper uh, and so leaving the roots is fine that's uh, essentially kind of a no-till gardening approach and uh, for some people that's a little bit of a, a mental hurdle uh, to my gosh I gotta get that out of there and it doesn't feel right to leave it behind but I've done that before uh, last you see a couple of years ago I had a nice lettuce crop and I went ahead and planted corn in between and as corn was coming up and I'm harvesting the lettuce I just cut the lettuce off at the ground and left those roots in and it of course corn did just fine uh, you can do that going into fall you can do that going in, in into the spring and summer season as well so we're talking about interplanting and we're talking about a kind of a no-till type approach so that when you do have to pull those plants up you're not ripping a lot of the roots of the crop you're trying to get going uh, as your warm season crop one other technique is to to use transplants instead of seeds uh, for example, let's let's take squash as an example. Let's say you're going to grow some zucchini or yellow squash. Uh, those are always uh, most practically direct seeded because seed are much less expensive than transplants. And you just, you know, put them in. They come up and take off growing. They're real easy to seed. Big old fat seeds are not hard to plant and get them to come up and do well. Uh, but you could also do them from transplants. It could be store-bought or it could be that you grow yourself. And when you do that from transplants, if you have a little bit of a container of some size, I mean, not the little tiny six-pack cells like they used to sell us a lot of our tomatoes and other plants in, uh, but uh, something a little larger, you know, maybe a, uh, that holds a cup of soil or, or, or so, uh, you can grow a decent-sized little transplant, and that gains you another maybe two weeks uh, before you then would put those in. But at that point, you're not putting in seeds and starting from scratch you're putting in transplants that are already ready to hit the ground running just remember with all those cucurbits like like squash and cucumbers watermelons cantaloupes those kinds of things uh, don't leave them in the uh, transplant cells too long uh, because as they get root bound they're not real happy about that and they don't when you transplant them they just don't establish well they're kind of stunted uh, and they don't do real well for you so I have some that are probably a little too long in the container not so much so that I'm worried about them but what I'm gonna do when I pull them out is I'm gonna soak those containers or uh, the root balls in water we call them root ball I don't know why it's not a ball it's a square or rectangle whatever 
but we're going to soak it in a little water and kind of tease those roots out and then get them planted, and I think they'll be just fine. What I should have done is about three or four days ago, maybe a week ago, gone ahead and uh, bumped them up to the a larger container and then let them keep growing, and they would have just kept going. And that way, uh, when I put them in, uh, I, my goodness, they're probably almost ready to, to bloom by the time those things get in. So what do you do with the traffic jam? Well, you interplanting, uh, doing some uh, interplanting along with no-till uh, in terms of getting the old crop out, and then starting transplants to even get more of a head start uh, before they go in. Those are a couple of techniques uh, because it's, it's a wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful uh, uh, time in terms of people's enthusiasm. Everybody gets spring fever for the garden. We all become... Uh, gardening fever folks in the spring. Fall is also a wonderful time, but we just, uh, we, I would say we don't know it as much. It's hard to get people as inspired about fall gardening as they are about spring gardening. I, I think it's coming out of the winter that, that helps build that enthusiasm for spring. So anyway, those are just some thoughts. Uh, give us a call. Let's talk about what you're interested in talking about. Our number is 845 5689 or by email, gardensuccess at tamu.edu, gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Let's go to the emails, and we had a question uh, from Paul, and Paul is asking about a Chinese pistache tree. He planted it a couple of years ago and removed the stakes uh, last spring, and, and this winter the tree's kind of leaning, uh, maybe you know, the branch structure isn't real even, but I think it's leaning probably more because uh, it could be a couple of things. It could be the way it was grown in the nursery in the container in terms of its anchorage. Uh, it, uh, it could be the uh, wind, prevailing wind. Uh, but looking at the, the trunk size of it, it's not that large. And so I would say you could do a little bit of pulling and staking uh, it to get it more upright. Uh, you just have to decide the lean doesn't look terrible to me, but uh, you might want to consider pulling it and staking it. I would probably uh, go ahead and do that and get that done as soon as you can because it is getting a little large to bend it a lot. Uh, but uh, if you put some pressure on it, uh, and then you may be able later in, a, in, let's say, a month or two to increase the pressure a little bit because it tends to, the tissues tend to give a little bit, and sometimes you can go a little further with it. Uh, it's going to probably take about six months to get a good uh, strength and a new direction for that. Just make sure that whatever you attach to the tree doesn't cut in to the tissues. In other words, you don't want to cut into the trunk because uh, like a wire and especially with wind moving it around a little bit, uh, you could easily do some damage. So I would use a strap that spreads out the, the um, uh, pressure a little bit on that trunk. And I think that would probably be your best bet. Well, let's go to the uh, phones again, 845-5689. And we're going to talk to Beth. Hey, Beth. Hey, Skip. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Hey, I had a question about my apple trees. I have a Dorset and a Anna, mm -hmm. and the Dorset has bloomed and is doing good. The Anna, um, it's a little younger tree, but mm. it hasn't bloomed at all. Okay. And I know they need each other to pollinate. Yes. yes. So I remember you saying, well, borrow somebody's <laughs> apple right. branch. Mm -hmm. I don't know of anybody that has an apple tree, and I, I don't know how much 
you know, if if, it, if I'm going to lose it because it's because the Anna hasn't started its blooming yet. Well, it it won't hurt the dorset at all to to not get pollinated. I mean, the tree will be. In fact, the tree will be happier. It'll put all its energy into growing even bigger rather than trying to make a an apple. Um, the, how old is the Anna? How long has it been in the ground? Uh, this is my second Anna, okay. and and it's probably been in there. Th- this might be the third year. Okay. Well. But the Dorset's been there the whole time, and it's been there maybe seven or eight years. Yeah. Like well, that. it's it's hard to say a lot. I mean, uh, my first thought is, yeah third year you ought to see some blooms a few blooms on it but it doesn't shock me or alarm me that it it hasn't bloomed in the third year Uh, the 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 health of the plant the vigor of the plant the amount of sunlight it's getting a lot of factors like that affect Mm -hmm. how fast it grows and how early it blooms and how much it blooms Uh, and so you might be looking for any of those kind of things that are within your power to adjust and then uh, see if you can get some growth on it so that next year it'll set blooms. Should I fertilize it? M- yes. More? Well, I, okay. uh, whenever Actually, I recommend... I haven't been fertilized. I've, you know, used compost around it, but I haven't okay. fertilized it. Well, look, how's the growth on it? Um, we, we talk about growth in terms of terminal growth, meaning you mm-hmm. go to the end of a branch or the top of the trunk and... How far did it grow last year? Did you get a foot of growth or two feet of growth or uh, six um, inches of growth? Well, I'm going to comment not on the growth, but on the amount of branches. Maybe that has something to do with it because this tree that I picked up does have a lot of branches mm-hmm. and I haven't cut them back. Okay. So maybe, you know, there I did test the twigs to see if it was alive. Yes, it yeah. is alive. Um, but I do want to mention one thing down by the, um, where we planted it, there is a, a sprout coming out of Mm. the ground and it's not, it doesn't even look like it's from the tree. Like it's, like it's about an inch away from the tree. Okay. So, and you, it's an apple sprout. I'm assuming. Okay. Well, I, I think I failed to ask you a really important question. Uh, you were saying the tree isn't blooming. Is it not even leafing out? Correct. Okay. Well, that's a concern. Uh, it should be starting to push some buds by now. Um, give it another few weeks uh, just okay. to give it as much time as possible. There, there's a lot of possibilities, and I, you know, I don't want to alarm you by saying all the things that it could be because it may be none of them. But for yeah. example, uh, if it wasn't an Anna, if it actually got the tag, the grower somehow mm-hmm. lost the tag and they stuck what they thought it was mm-hmm. on it, and so now yeah. you've got an apple that really wants to be further north. Uh, it wouldn't be coming out early, but it would still be alive. Uh, but if the twigs, if you scratch them with your thumbnail and you're not seeing mm-hmm. green or creamy color underneath, then that, that's a sign that they're not alive. Uh, no, it is green. I did okay. test that. Okay. So. Well, Got that. that it could, Anna is a super low chill apple and we've had enough hours for Anna to bloom or to, to bud out and bloom. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that it ha- does or doesn't have bloom buds is what we were talking about. Uh, the fact that yeah. the, the, not bloom buds, that the vegetative buds aren't growing, that's another issue. And that's making me wonder, is that really an Anna? Uh, and I don't I don't know a way to tell 
other than yeah. it's just not behaving like an anna. And what about that? If that is an apple root down there, what mm-hmm. what do you have a concern about that? I no. guess I'm concerned about that. Well, it, there's something other. Yeah, if the tree's know, alive, that's just a rootstock pushing up a bud. But you can look at the leaves as they grow, and since you have apple okay. trees in the yard, you know what you'll know what an apple looks like. So, uh, mm-hmm. it could be a rootstock. And it would it could be one of several different common ones that are used, uh, but you want to cut it off at the ground. Okay. The only uh, reason to leave it, and this is kind of a long stretch, but you know if the old tree was dying, and you wanted to bud something onto the new rootstock sprout to start a new yeah. tree, you could do that. But I would just say go buy another tree, probably. Okay. And my other thought was, I, you know, since I've had it a, a little while, not like. Last year, I'm trying to think if it made apples. I don't know because I'm okay. getting it mixed up with the other one. But we did put it in the same spot that the other Anna was, mm-hmm. and that Anna had gone downhill because of some kind of plight on it or something. Okay. So is that a not a good thing that we well, put in the same area? It, you know, it it depends. Uh, if the problem was like cotton root rot in the soil, then putting it in the same spot is not going to work. Um, but if it was something else, then the same spot isn't necessarily a concern at all. So, okay. I mean, I'm having to guess here. So that those are just some thoughts for you to consider. Um, uh, you can also well, send us pictures. Crazy. Send us pictures yeah, of I'll it. Yeah, I might do that. Email yeah. us and let let me look a little bit as, as things start to move along and come out. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that at this point in time I'm going to be able to tell a lot, but uh, I'm happy yeah. to take a look and continue the conversation. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. I appreciate your help. All right, mm-hmm. Beth. Thank Talk you. You too. Bye. Our number is eight four five five six eight nine, and we're going to go to the phones now and talk to Robert. Hello, Robert. Hello. Got a question about reviving palm trees. All right. These are the, the tall jobbies, oh, 10, 15 feet tall, that were damaged in the freeze before last. Mm-hmm. Got two of them on the curb. Uh, the, we cut the fronds back right away, and the taller tree revived and uh, blossomed like it's supposed to. Shorter one had a little bit of green. Uh, it just never did seem to get started. Mm-hmm. I, what I did was I tried to uh, revive it by drilling some holes in the top and sprinkling some growth hormone in there. <laughs> and I'm wondering, uh, that didn't work. That was about mm-hmm. a year ago. Nothing happened. Are we kind of at a loss to cut the thing down, or do you have any suggestions? Are, are there still green fronds up there? N- not on the the. The shorter one, okay. not yeah, producing I, that one's. If it doesn't have green fronds that yeah. are going into fall, it, it's dead. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and you can just take it out and don't do any more drilling on it. That, okay. that doesn't, doesn't help. Um, okay. The, the the palms, essentially all palms that you would grow here, there are exceptions, a few, but all of them have a single trunk, and uh-huh. a single bud at the top of that trunk. Okay. And when that bud dies, the tree cannot resprout from anywhere because okay. it has no bud to re-sprout. Okay. And so um, we saw some that had damage during the bad freeze, and then they kind of hung on. It was alive, but didn't look good, and then it kind of went downhill. And I just think it's time to pull it and, and go with okay. something else or okay. another palm tree. And, and as you do that, let's make sure you pick a, a you know, a, a variety or, excuse me, a species that is, um, you know, going to be a little hardier probably okay. for you. 
All right, we'll try that. Okay. Thank All right. you very much. Well, thanks for the call, Robert. You bet. Bye. Bye bye. Our number is 845 5689 or by email gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And let's go to the phones and talk to John. Good morning, John. Good morning. Uh, Mary's gotten where she likes to save seeds for uh, vegetable plants that she really likes. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the seed packet, if it says it's a hybrid, do those seeds make it? I mean, can you save that seed? Uh, you, they won't be the same as the plant you saved them off of. In other words, they won't be like the mother plant. They'll be the same species, but in some way they'll be different. And it probably will be a fairly dramatic difference. So yeah, you can save the seed, you can plant them, and you'll get the same species. And it'll do, you know, let's say it was a tomato, it'll produce tomatoes. and But... If you liked it because it was yellow and indeterminate and blah, 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 the babies may be different than that in some way. Uh, so that's the problem with hybrids. Uh-huh. It's, it's like hybrids are basically, you know, like uh, human children. Uh, they're not identical to mom or dad, although I have noticed that when mine misbehave, I, they're accused of being more identical to dad. But um, the, the, the fact that it's a cross between two different uh, individuals, that hybrid is going to be some mix of those two. And so when you take the, the seeds, uh, it's it just not going to produce. Okay, I, I was I heard your earlier call about the apple trees. We have a, a Dorset and a Fuji, and I, you know, there I think there's a a really big difference between, I mean, fifty miles from Brian, mm-hmm. I think makes a big difference because those, although I have a, a number of plum trees and a and a couple of other fruit trees that that are starting to have little bitty flowers on them a little bit, right. Uh, but the two apple trees, although the kind of the butt, I mean, the little nodules are kind of swelling, mm-hmm. I haven't got any leaves yet. Yeah, apples, you know, down here, I, I just generally don't recommend them. If you want to grow an apple, there are apples you can grow here. But, you know, just in terms of them being um, a bumper crop plant for you, it, it doesn't always work that way. And Dorset's a lot lower chilling than, than Fuji. Um, and so the, the Fuji could be a little iffy. Yeah, you're right. If you go if you go 50 miles north, I don't know where that gets you. But uh, even with peaches, if you get up to to uh, you know Limestone County, uh, Mahia, Texas, those kinds of places, you you can yeah. grow you can grow some peaches that we we can't dependably grow down here. It uh, I, I you know just listening to the weather forecast and whatnot, it, it's always colder here. In fact, a, a number of my transplants that, that I have put out in the last week or so, they don't like these 40 degree nights. <laughs> I know it. I know it. They're uh, yeah. really grumpy. They don't, they're not showing any bigger at all. Yeah, I tried to carry mine out the door and their roots went to both sides and grabbed the threshold and they were trying to hang on and not let me take them through the door. <laughs> they saw what was going on outside. Yeah, but, you know, by, oh, I guess by Sunday or so, we ought to be done with this, right? I think that's what the weather's saying. Well, I've heard some people mention 80 degrees. Uh, well, that, that'll make a tomato happy. Yeah, I, I, I would, I, I'm looking forward to seeing if I still have a tomato plant. <laughs> okay. Up. Yeah, you probably do. They, 
the temperatures we're having in most of the area are not, you know, they're not going to seriously hurt your tomato. I mean, I guess, you know, if you take a tomato that was growing in low light indoors and spindly and stuff and you take it outside into a, a cold nighttime wind and bright sun all day, it, there's a heck of a shock there. But in general, they, they eventually recover. Well, I, I can say that collards don't. Oh, really? They, I, I planted some collard transplants, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and it just, it just they, they turned up their toes. Okay. Huh. I think it just got too cold. Well, that's, yeah, it, well, we've had some tomato-killing cold, and I was talking to someone on the phone that they'd gotten, they right done, uh, dime box direction, or not on the phone, in person. Dime do, dime box direction, and they they got a little colder out there than we did, and it cold enough to do some damage. Yeah, we we touched uh, 31 degrees there mm. not long ago, and I think that did it. Yeah, but that's you know that's the that's the fun thing about gardening, um, <laughs> and the aggravating thing is it's a, it's a gamble every year and you just got to decide how sure do you want to be you know some people uh some people uh you know they have to be sure they're not going to lose anything before they'll give it a shot and so those would be folks that were a belt and suspenders john yeah, i was uh, i was just trying i was trying to we really like the collar so we we were i was just trying to rush them a little bit but yeah uh, i'll have to re-rush well you know, we can always replant. Uh, yep. I, I, when I plant my tomatoes, I always start a few extras. And I know I'm not going to need them either. A, you can give them away to friends, or, or B, when you put the early ones out there, if something happens, you've got one that you've potted up in a bigger pot, and it's it's coming along, and it can go right back in in its place. So that kind of hedges your bet. Yeah, that's a good idea. I may have to do that. Okay. Right. Well, thanks a lot. All right. Thank you for the call. Our phone number is 845-5689, 845-5689, or email gardensuccess at tamu.edu, gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Well, I just came from the county extension office to come over for the show, and the master gardeners are hard at work setting up for the plant sale that they're having tomorrow. Uh, that is going to open up at 8 a.m., and uh, the way these kinds of sales typically go, you better get there early if you want to, uh, the best selection because things tend to move out pretty quick. But that's uh, Saturday, March 26th on uh, 8 a.m. at the Extension Office. Now, for those of you who have come to the old Extension Office up on Highway 21, uh, we're not there anymore. The dig is still there, the Demonstration Idea Garden. It's a great place to go walk through and see the garden. And we'll probably have some more educational events out there where you can come out and visit with Master Gardeners and learn about plants. But as far as the Extension Office itself and the new plant sale to, uh, tomorrow or Saturday, did I say tomorrow a while ago? Saturday. That's, that's just what I need to do is confuse things anymore. Saturday, March 26th. Uh, it's at the new extension office, and the new office is next to the Brazos County Tax Office. Uh, out, if you take University across Highway 6 to the east and then turn north up like you're going up Copperfield direction, it's, it's back up in that area. You can also get to it off Boonville Road, uh, just uh, turning by Christopher's uh, restaurant there, coming in that way. But uh, it's easy to find. You can Google it or just go to the tax office if you've got property and go by there. You know where it is. 
so that's uh, 8 a.m. Uh, the address, if you want to plug it into your maps, is 4153 County Park Court, and it's a Bryan address. 4153 County Park Court. They're going to have natives and perennials. They'll have shrubs and herbs and vegetables and bulbs and lots of different kinds of plants that are that are selected because they do well here uh, in this area. And so if you've got a little wagon to bring, you might want to bring it because uh, you'll walk through an area, a pretty good long area, picking out different things. And, and that way you can just kind of drag your bounty along as you, as you uh, shop. Uh, let's go back to the phones now and talk to John. Hey, John. I, I forgot to mention I had gone on online a little while ago, and they have the, the plant list on their website. Oh, good. The, okay, that's Good. That's BrazosMG.com. You can get there that way, BrazosMG.com, in the plant list of the things that they're going to have. And, you know, I tell you that when we put those lists out there and put them online, it's always, you know, you're waiting on the supplies to arrive. And, and uh, so, you you know, it's, it's what we most uh, feel like we're going to have. Uh, and a lot of things are already in. In fact, a lot. I'd say most things are already in. But uh, we, uh, what you see on the on the li online is good. Also, um, and th John, thanks for mentioning this. They okay. they have a thing called pass along plants. Uh, pass alongs are plants that maybe, maybe. A, uh, master gardener grew in the in their yard and dug up, potted up, and uh, now they're sharing them with others. So you're you're talking about locally proven f uh, plants. It's a reasonable, very reasonable cost. Uh, and so those are also some things that are well worth uh, coming for. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's see. What were we talking about? Uh, activities. Oh, the plant sale tomorrow. Uh, also, next Saturday, April 2nd, the Lions Extension Clubs has an annual plant sale. And that's at 8.30 to 3 p.m. Uh, and it's at the American Legion Hall in Somerville. The Lions Extension Club Annual Spring Plant Sale, the American Legion Hall in Somerville, that's next Saturday, not two days from now, but next Saturday, uh, Lions Extension Club in Somerville. So that's at 8.30 a.m., and they're going to have uh, pass-along plants. Uh, they're going to have uh, yard art and bake sale items and all kinds of things like that. So that's another, another good outing for a Saturday for you there. Yeah, like to get out and do those kinds of things. Okay, let's see. Let's go back to the to the emails and uh, start to answer some of those. Uh, Lewis, I, I, I guess it's Lewis or Luis, uh, moved from um, down near the coast, and uh, they have some amaryllis that they brought with them, and a lot of different cultivars apparently. And uh, so they're kind of wondering about what about the cold winters here and putting them out over winter. And they do, they do okay. I mean, we can have a winter. I guess it's too cold. I, I'm not a, an amaryllis expert, but we, we have a number of them around town that seem to be doing well. Um, I would say if, if you mulch it, just to be absolutely sure, amaryllis is a bulb that is usually a little closer to the surface. And so you just mulch it a little bit and, and uh, make sure it's okay. But I think you'll, you'll find that they do fine. Some people grow them in containers. There are some types, uh, almost a florist kind of type that you would buy, and it'd be typically a one-shot wonder, you know. You, you stick it in a jar, you make, make it send up a bloom stalk indoors, uh, maybe pebbles underneath it, you know, for the roots to go down in, and then uh, uh, bloom it, and then people toss them. 
but a lot of them can survive outside if you'll go ahead and take care of them. Typically if something's sat inside for a long time and the light, the leaves can't get light and it sends up a bloom that, that drains and weakens the bulb and it may not be as vigorous or it may not bloom next year for you uh, as a result. But um, I, I would say that's good. For people that have containers of amaryllis, they will typically in late summer turn the container on its side and let them dry out. You turn it on its side so water doesn't go in it uh, and, and just let it kind of dry out and go through the artificial drought uh, that you've created for it. And by the way, nature kind of cooperates. It doesn't rain a lot uh, in August. Uh, but um, that drought period uh, after that, you can set them back up again as we get further into the fall and let them start growing and blooming and they, they tend to, that, that cycle is more like what they're accompanied to in their home uh, native area and so they, that's one way that some people do their amaryllis. So I hope that helps. Uh, our phone number is 845-5689, 845-5689 or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Let's go back to the emails. Uh, an email from Brooks. Uh, have you ever heard of New Zealand spinach? And he grew it in Wisconsin when he was young. It's an invasive uh, plant. Uh, I have, uh, yes, I've heard of New Zealand spinach. Uh, it's, it's a summer kind of plant. You know, we have some greens that get called spinach. There's Malabar spinach. It's not spinach. It's a tropical annual vine, uh, but New Zealand spinach is not truly spinach either, although it's closely related. Uh, then there's, oh my gosh, uh, Egyptian spinach and some others that are not spinach, but um, New Zealand spinach can take some warmer weather and it does okay. Now I've not grown it before. I, I seem like maybe I did one time a long time ago, uh, but I, I did not realize that it was uh, invasive and that sometimes invasive is depending on where you are. Uh, and this will kind of wander out of vegetables here just for a moment with this comment, but you, you read about plants that are invasive and then you think, well, I can't plant that here because it's, it's invasive. But it may not be invasive here. Or it may not be as invasive here. Th those are some examples. Uh, and so there's plants that are very invasive in Florida uh, in a tr more tropical kind of climate that when we get up here, we, we just don't have that kind of problem uh, with them. Uh, you know, bush morning glory is, is a plant that you just don't see it as a problematic invasive. Now a lot of plants will self-seed some. Uh, that's kind of, well, you would say that's normal, but um, uh, so when something is invasive, loose strife, that's another one. You get up uh, Midwest and places it's, it's invasive, but uh, not so much in general for us here. Now you give things the right conditions and and that, that can swing, uh, you know, swing it around a little bit toward a more invasive uh, characteristic. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of our good plants do reseed, and they can. Some of them are enthusiastic. Uh, the um, Mexican petunia, or Ruellia, is one like that. Uh, the uh, tropical milkweed, or Mexican milkweed, uh, the non-native milkweed, uh, it produces seeds, float around, come up, all over the place, and and so. Most gardeners just tolerate that, and they pull them up when they're not where they want them. Uh, but uh, sometimes things can be so enthusiastic that uh, they become kind of a pain. 
And so you do want to be a little careful with those sort of things. Uh, they, uh, Brooks was saying they also had some cherry tomatoes and ground cherries, which were self-seeding. And, and, you know, all tomatoes will self-seed. Uh, and the ground cherry, for those of you who haven't grown those before, uh, if you think about, I guess everybody is familiar with tomatillos, and it, they sometimes call them like a husk tomato. Uh, they're related, but they're definitely not a tomato. Uh, but they have that, that husk around them, around the fruit. And ground cherries are the same way, but they tend to be smaller. Uh, ground cherries, when I've grown them, are typically about the size of a penny uh, in terms of their diameter. And there are some varieties that you know vary in size. Uh, but they have a husk around them. They grow typically very low to the ground. Some are, are very low in spreading in the growth habit, and others are more, a little more upright. But they have kind of a sweet, um, I don't know, almost a fruity kind of flavor. Uh, it's, it's a very different different kind of fruit, and they will also reseed. But that's a plant that, uh, I, th I don't know, it, it's a novelty, and it's not like it's going to take over the garden uh, uh, in terms of people's hearts where they don't want to grow tomatoes, they want to grow ground cherries. There's no danger of that, but uh, it is one that is worth growing. But I find in my garden every year, in fact, right now I'm looking at some some plants that um, I planted last year, and this happens every year, uh, they, they come up again somewhere else because I let them go to seed or you drop a tomato on the ground because something was wrong with it and you smash it and step on it or whatever, and next thing you know, here's sprouting some tomato seeds out of that, out of that old fruit. One of the fun things about gardening is figuring out where on earth did that come from. I don't remember growing that one before. Our phone number, 845-5689, 845-5689, or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu, gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And let's go to the emails, and this time we're going to uh, talk about an email from Jimmy that uh, Jimmy's out in the Wixon area, and uh, very alkaline water. An, or excuse me, an alkaline clay, uh, and the uh, water uh, is, is, is alkaline, has uh, some sodium in it as well. Uh, and they've amended it with compost and, and other kinds of garden soil. Uh, but uh, what, what is the, what is the uh, question, uh, I mean, what is the solution to the, the, question, the issue of alkalinity? And you can use acidifying fertilizers. That's one thing that can help. Uh, there you can use sulfur that you mix in the soil that helps lower pH. But but here's the here's the problem. Uh, if if your soil, depending on the level of things like sodium and calcium in your soil, it may be that you just can't push that that pH down practically. You know, if it was a sand and there weren't levels high levels of things like sodium and calcium, for example. Uh, you, it would be easy to acidify the soil. But uh, some soil, it, it's like it's very buffered, and water's the same way. There's water that, uh, in fact, we did an experiment. Some of you may have done this in, in school when you're a school kid, uh, where you take water and put a, P, a distilled water and put a pH meter in it and look at the pH, and then you take a straw and blow your breath into the water, and the, the CO2 in your breath uh, you can watch the water pH change, and that's a very unbuffered water, easy to move the pH on. With other things, it's hard to change it. And so what we have to do is, at least for the sodium, uh, we put down a gypsum, 
which is um, uh, helps knock the uh, sodium mo molecule off of the soil and then with a good drenching it rinses away and so I would say that that would be one thing I would do uh, Jimmy is, is have your soil tested uh, look at the levels uh, that are there and see what they recommend and uh, you can talk to us at the extension office send me a copy of your soil sample if you like and we can look at it and see what we would recommend but adding compost is good there are a lot of acidifying things we can add and depending again on everything that I was just saying uh, it may or may not move that pH a lot but at least you get the nutrients there that help the plant to grow uh, and uh, so those would be the main things that I would recommend um, it minimize the amount of the water that has a lot of sodium in it that you're applying to the garden uh, if you can do some rainwater collection, rain barrels or something even bigger would be better if you're a gardener. Uh, the, to have a lot of volume, uh, rainwater is even better to use, and so it doesn't exacerbate that problem any. So that would be my, my recommendations, and if you'd like to send us a copy of your soil test report, we can take it a little further. So let's go back to the phones now and talk to Barb. Hello, Barb. Hi. Hi. Uh, when you were talking about that, spinach it reminded me that I had purchased some little seeds they're called sea kale uh-huh um it I, I purchased them I think in the fall I thought I could get by with planting them there and I didn't plant them can I plant them now or if they say they are frost resistant should I wait and plant them in the fall sea kale and this was for a vegetable Yes, he said I could eat it like spinach. Sea kale. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to. In fact, I'm gonna look here. What is what is sea kale? That's a that term. I'm not familiar with it. Hmm. I'm gonna have to look into that one a little bit. Um, I have another question. Okay. Um. I have a problem with having enough sun in a place that's good to plant rosemary in the ground. I've done it, but it hasn't done very good because it's not, I don't think it's getting enough sun. Mm -hmm. Could I plant that in a pot? Uh, I saw somebody had one in a pot. It, it, it does well in a pot. Uh, it, you just need a lot of volume of soil. So I wouldn't put it in a little small pot unless you just want to have to water it and water it and water it. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Well, I would, if you can get a pot, you know, the, so like you put your arms out like you're making a bushel basket where your fingers are touching a pot at least that big, if not bigger, uh, okay. I think that you can grow it. it. It's it's drought tolerant, but it, it won't be happy. It'll just kind of get stunted and sit there. But if you water it, it does pretty good. Uh, it does pretty good. And so I, I would, I would recommend rosemary for a pot I think I think it's worth growing uh, but it's just a little bit um, it, it just needs to not get neglected and I know at my house I, I forget to water my containers and so I need big containers with lots of soil so it's a little more forgiving uh, for it to be surviving by the way I, I checked on sea kale while we were talking here and it looks like it's in the family but it's it's not true kale uh, so but it looks like one of the the brassicas so I would expect it to be um, a cool season plant but looking at where it it comes from I don't think uh, I don't think it has ever seen anything close to a Texas summer 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I'll plan it in the fall then. Okay. Well, keep so us posted. Uh, is, is Skull Cap, I see they have those for sale Saturday. Is that invasive? No. 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 Uh, okay. there's, there's a number, you know, there's a number of different, uh, skull caps that, that are available. There's, uh, is, are we talking about the red one? This says Texas pink and then it has capital P, capital F, capital P. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, I would, I, I think skull cap is one of the better plants that we can grow if you can give it good drainage. It, it doesn't want to be in a, um, a soggy wet, uh, condition. So if you can, you know, make sure that it drains decent well. Don't stick it in a low spot in the clay soil. Uh, it'll it'll do real well. It spreads kind of slow. Uh, it's a it's a I almost describe it like a lava flow. You know, rather than vining out, it's it's like this slowly moving plant that is staying low and spreading outward, uh, and it's really beautiful, really beautiful. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for the call, Barb. Mm -hmm. Our phone number is 845-5689, and we're going to go back to the phones and talk to Dan. Hello, Dan. Hi. Uh, I had a question related to <clears throat> how you described um, amaryllis and saving them. Yes. Uh -huh. Can you do the same thing with paper whites? With paper whites, you don't have to do that um, late summer drought uh, treatment. Uh, with with paper whites, it depends on which paper white it is. There's a whole bunch of related uh, bulb species. There's the daffodils and the paper whites and the jonquils and so on. And some of them do okay here. Most of them are going to be a lot happier if you can get them up to about Tyler or someplace. Uh, but we have a number of them that do well here. And right now you drive around town and you can see the clumps of them uh, coming out. Uh, it's a it, they're they're generally pretty good. Uh, some of the paper whites want to be even further south, uh, but um, I think that uh, what I, I wouldn't do the the drought treatment. I would just plant them in a good spot uh, where they can get some uh, cool season sunshine, uh, and that would be like under a deciduous tree. Uh, and then in the summertime, it it the leaves come on it, and it it tends to kind of um, you know have a little cooler spot to, to live in, a little less uh, hot and droughty. Uh, they don't have to be in a shade spot, but they, they can do well in a spot like that uh, or in sun. You just I, So I guess, you know, Dan, Dan, I guess what I'm trying to say in, in, in stumbling around through words is, is basically pick your varieties uh, before you invest in them if you want them to be a returning uh, home garden plant. So just because it's for sale to force indoors doesn't mean it's going to be a variety that does real well outdoors. Well, I, I already have them. So. Okay. Well, hey, <laughs> you're, you're not out anything, giving them a shot. You, you may find that, that the experience they've been through, this unnatural thing of being forced in a bulb indoors uh, or in a pot or a container indoors, uh, is a little bit of a, a, a frustration for them. They may uh, want to sit there for a year or two before they start acting right. Uh, but just give them a shot and see. I actually kept them all in pots outside. Okay. Well, then, and hey, they you may be their biggest uh, uh, hero then. They might they might even agree to do stuff they don't normally do for if you've given them that kind of care. And if I were to put them, pot them up into a larger container just to sort of consolidate them, is, is there a maximum density 
in, in a container that you would recommend? You know, that I have never had that question, and I've never <laughs> thought about that before. So there you go. Um, I would well, say, I, you know, if you could put them probably, I'd put them four inches apart in a container, and that's me giving my best shot from the hip. I, and I wouldn't put them side by side. Uh, you don't want them to be a clump that is already overcrowded within a year. But maybe four inches would be about right. And someone may be a better expert at that for sure than me and, and call in and, and, and comment on that. But uh, that's what I would try doing. Just give right, me well, a little bit yeah, of space. I, I put them zero inches apart, and I'll, I'll be sure to let you know how All to right. go. Well, and what you may find is, you know, you could always, uh, there's a time when we replant them. And so once you let them have their leaves catch their sunlight and then the leaves start to yellow and, and dry down, that's when we move or separate or whatever our bulbs. And you could give them a little more room in the next container or take one container and make two containers out of it if you want to go that route. Great. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. I appreciate the call. Uh, next, we're going to go to the phones and talk to Melinda. Hey, Melinda. Well, good uh, good afternoon, Skip. Uh we have lots of naturalized bulbs out in our yard, and they're ones that I got from friends from old home sites and things like that. Everything else I've ever put in the ground has died. The only things that somewhat survive are grape hyacinths, the old white narcissus, and uh, some of the newer improved narcissus, and a yellow uh, kind of small little daffodil. Mm -hmm. And then uh, snowbells, but that's not my question. My okay. question is, I have uh, uh, three citrus, two Myers lemons, and they lost a lot of leaves with that very first surprise freeze that we had. How should we trim them back? What's the proper way to trim a Myers lemon? Th there's not a textbook way to do it, and you can do nothing and just let it relief. That is an option. If you don't like the shape of the plant, maybe there's a branch that's arching over and almost down in the ground, uh, you know, touching the ground, and you, you don't want that, you can cut that back to a more upright shoot. Uh, generally, little tiny interior twiggy growth uh, is not going to amount to a lot. Uh, branches that are rubbing or broken or injured could come out. But there's not a there's not a special way that we prune a Meyer lemon. It, it's kind of... You create a structure that makes a bush or a tree, whatever you're going after, and and that's, yeah, that that's it. So it's it's that's according it. to your eye. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Well, we we have these wire cages that we put over them in the winter, and they're five and six feet tall. So wow, it's okay to just trim them down to five and six feet, right? And yep. I'm sure oh, sure. Shoot over it. Yeah, it, and they'll come out primarily on top, but they'll come out in different places. But when you cut them, cut them back, they'll they'll vigorously regrow. So these are in the ground. Yes, they're just now beginning to uh, uh, sprout back out. Well, good. Is there any? It, yes, just now. Uh, you know, little bitty leaves up and down the the stems. Mm -hmm. uh, they totally lost all of their leaves. One of them did. Is there a particular fertilizer that we should be putting on them to give them maximum help? Well, again, the soil test would tell you if something is out of whack and, and specifically something that's needed in your soil. 
just from a standpoint of making a citrus happy, assuming that there's nothing really imbalanced there that you need to fix, I would use just a turf type fertilizer, a lawn fertilizer. Not a weed and feed, of course, but a, right. you know, it could be... If no herbicide. No herbicide <laughs> in it. It could be, you know, it, it, something with a 3-1-2 ratio of nutrients is, is fine. Um, it's it just it, it just depends. You know, I always say fertilizers, and then I think, yeah, but you really need to test your soil. Uh, but uh, I, I use lawn fertilizer for a lot of things around the house just because you buy a bag and you got it there and you can use it for other things. Yeah. Uh, but uh, d just if it's a if it's a lower concentration, like an organic uh, would be a 624. 624 is that is that 312 ratio. You would use more yeah. of it because it's lower concentration. If it's 15510 or 21714, okay. all the different numbers, it all amounts to 312. And the bigger the numbers, the less you have to put out. Just like okay. Tylenol and extra strength Tylenol. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Well, we use a lot of lawn fertilizer for everything, including my coffee plant, which is about seven feet tall. Isn't that amazing? It's in a pot. Now, so you bring it in? I do. And I, it, yes. That must I've be a big pot. i never put it in the ground. No, it's not a very big pot. It's maybe a 12-inch pot or 14 a oh. gallon, something. Oh my! And you you have a twelve? How big is it? Seven foot? Yeah, oh it's my gosh. seven feet. It's oh cool. A, a Korean graduate student gave me a little four-inch plant that he had started from a coffee seed several years ago, Probably and does. it it's gorgeous. And we've found that if we let it get too dry, mm -hmm. the leaves. Uh, die around the edge. Okay. And we also give it the uh, regular fertilizer, like you said, and then it seems to be quite happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we you know have all these different numbers on fertilizer bags, and some plants that you know it'll say this is for hibiscus or this is for palm trees or whatever. Mm -hmm, and and mm -hmm. it, there's something to that, but in general, a good lawn fertilizer fixes a lot of things. There's times when I wouldn't use it, but in, in absence of a soil test, it's a good a good way to go. Well, I'm glad. Uh, now you're a coffee farmer, too. Well, I, <laughs> Oh, I want to know how do I get it to bloom. Oh, you all that and you want coffee on top of it? Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you're asking a lot if it's in a one-gallon pot and seven feet high. But <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know okay. what I, I, what makes coffee. Uh, it's going to need sunlight. I know that. Uh, you know the it's, it takes sun to make plants want to bloom. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I don't know. It sounds like you're doing everything right. I better not tell you anything else and just <laughs> let you keep doing what you're doing. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much, Skip. Enjoy your show very much. All right, Melinda. Thank you. Our phone number is 845-5689. We've got time for another call if somebody would like to call in. Uh, let me talk about something going on. We, I do a thing as part of a group of horticulturists. I think there's eight of us in the southeast Texas region. We call it the Gulf Coast region, um, uh, the upper Gulf Coast region, that do a thing called gardening in the Gulf Coast. Now I realize you're thinking Bryan College Station is not the Gulf Coast. Well, Yes, it is for the extension regions. Uh, it's the upper Gulf Coast. And um, we do, the, the eight of us trade off, and each month we do an educational program free online 
uh, and you can register for them on Microsoft Teams. My, uh, I'm sorry, on, um, oh my gosh, I can't say the name of the, the um, oh gosh, where you register for things. I just, I just drew a blank. I'll think of it here in a little bit. But if you call the Extension Office, AgriLife Extension Office, you can find out how to get registered, uh, and uh, you can talk to Janice, or you can email Janice at the Extension Office, and and find out how to get registered. It's an on, it's it's done online on Microsoft Teams as opposed to a uh, Zoom. Uh, but on April the sixth, that's we do this the first Wednesday each month. On April the sixth, uh, Michael Potter, who's the Montgomery County Horticulture Agent, is going to be giving a talk on spring turf. Michael is a, a, a very uh, knowledgeable about uh, turf and turf care, uh, and he'll be talking about everything from, I'm sure, dealing with weed issues to fertilizing, proper mowing and watering, how to get turf to grow if it's not growing well for you, what are some of the turf you might want to try. And during that time, we have question and answer, and so you'll have several horticulturists online that can answer your questions as you're watching and listening to these Gardening in the Gulf programs. Um, so uh, call the Extension Office or just go online at Eventbrite. That's what I couldn't think of a while ago. It's on Eventbrite, Gardening in the Gulf Coast, and you can uh, sign up for all of them. You get a notice. Uh, there'll be upcoming talks uh, on May. We'll, May 4th, we'll be doing fruit trees, uh, Stephen Brugerhoff from Galveston County. Uh, then we'll have on June 1st a roundtable discussion, which I call Stump the Chumps. All of us are on there, and you can ask any questions you want, and people do, and uh, we'll answer your questions. And then on July 6th, I'll be doing vegetables for summer heat, and then on and on all through the year. So I encourage you to check out those. Uh, I think you'll enjoy uh, listening in, uh, you can once you sign up and are registered, you get access to the video afterwards, where you can go back and re-listen or share it with your friends. So I guess we're about out of time for today. We do appreciate uh, you listening in, and we're here every Thursday from 12 to 1. Just want to remind you that on Saturday morning, uh, two days from now, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. at the new Extension Office by the Tax Office, the Master Gardeners in Brazos County are having their plant sale. It's one of the fundraisers that helps support all of the free programs they do through the course of the year. You've been listening to Garden Success with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist Skip Richter. Join us again next week as Skip discusses your questions about gardening and landscaping in the Brazos Valley. Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com. Garden Success is also brought to you by the Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209.